morning. Friday night, I got the call. Pastor Derek called and said that Jessica had been tested from the virus and that he and the girls were quarantined. Then he asked me to preach. So I appreciate their prayers and support today as I stand before you. What is amazing is not that I had a sermon to pull out. I shared with Merritt that I threw away all my sermons of all those years of ministry because I always wanted to be fresh when I stood before you. So I've been studying Nehemiah this week, and ironically on Friday I was reading chapter 4. And as I was reading that, I kept thinking, man, this would preach. And lo and behold, here I am. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together this morning. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak through me. I am an empty vessel, and I ask that you would fill me with your spirit, and we give you honor, glory, and praise. Amen. You know, it's not unusual to hear people complain when you're at Walmart or at work or in the restaurant. You hear about the virus. You hear complaints about the government, our jobs. You may even hear about the church. The problem is we don't want to suffer or be hurt. When we struggle with problems, whether it be finances, family, work, economy, we want it painless. Supernatural intervention. Our prayers go something like, just do it, God, so we can be on our way with nothing in pain on our part. We want to blame others, our spouse, our boss, even the president. We want to breathe right through life with a peace and not get our hands dirty. But this morning as we study his word, we find that sometimes God wants us to work through our problems. Victory is not always without suffering and pain. And there are times when we got to get down in the mud. We have to lift heavy rocks, lift distractions, opposition, face the challenges. But we also need to know that God is with us during those hard times, during that testing, and that Jesus is literally on our side. We must be prepared for Satan and his attacks, and we can follow Nehemiah's example. He used prayer, scripture, and found victory for he and the children of Israel as they successfully built the wall. So some of you are going, well, who is Nehemiah, Mary? I've never heard of him. It's a little book in the Old Testament. And if you took the time to read, you would find that he had godly leadership. He learned about the walls and gates around Jerusalem had been destroyed with the exile. So he went to God in prayer and was willing. He had a prestigious job with the Persian government. He had a nice, cushy retirement plan, and yet he was motivated to leave all that to lead the Jews in rebuilding the wall. First, he found favor with his own king and received money and supplies to return to the holy city. And then God gave him a godly vision and strength for this task, and it 
and it's very much overwhelming requirements. When he arrived, we're told he immediately took charge of the situation. He was a man of action. He organized, managed, supervised, and encouraged his fellow Jews. He got down to work immediately to accomplish this mighty task. Along the way, he, like those of us who have faced obstacles, faced tremendous opposition. His chief uh, enemies were Sabbath, Tabith, the Samaritans, the Arabians, Ammonites, and the Ashdors. And yet Nehemiah's response was, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will build this wall. If you have your Bibles, or I believe we've got it up on the screen, and turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to unpack it. So if you have your Bibles, keep them open because we're going to be looking at this entire chapter. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Sabalta was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobian the Ammonite was standing beside him and remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked across the top of it. Then I prayed, this is Nehemiah, Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not block out their sins. For they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders and everybody. So, he finds that Sanibalt, one of the chief distractors, had flown into a rage and mocks the workers. The reason he's so upset is that he's the governor of Samaria. We, I find in my studies that he actually had married ties to the high priest. And he is threatened by this godly man because he's afraid he's going to lose his own power and position over the people. Notice how he attacks the godly man. First, he kind of makes snippet negative comments to his friend. And then he goes public with his ridicule and he attacks everything that the Jews hold dear. With sarcasm dripping from his lips, he says, will they offer sacrifices to finish quicker? If you want to hurt somebody, go to what's most important to them. And for the, his plan was to attack their religion. Then Toban gets involved in it and begins to mock their construction methods. Our enemy will often enlist the help of others to, in, to discourage us. The real reason they had issues, again, was they were worried about giving up their power, control, and money. 
But notice how Nehemiah responds. He goes directly to the source. He goes to God in prayer. He doesn't pray for revenge, for God to strike him dead. He focuses on honoring and protection of his people and that they would continue to do the right thing. Also note that the godly leader did not ask God to destroy his enemies or even silence them. Instead, in verse 4, he said, Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. And may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. What he's asking is that these men experience what the Jews had already been experiencing. They had been removed from their homeland. They were held captive and now were in shame in foreign places. Perhaps in modern English he would have said words like, Lord, let them feel what we've experienced. And perhaps it'll shut them up. Nehemiah constantly combined prayer with preparation and planning. And the people trusted him and God at the same time, keeping watch over their people in the wall. The problem is that too often when we pray, we really don't ask God what he wants of us and what is his will. We're busy telling us our will. Ridicule can cut deeply, causing discouragement and despair. Nevertheless, Nehemiah knew in his heart, he knew God was still in control and would take care of the situation. He didn't worry about it, but he trusted that God would act on behalf of the people. Just imagine if we did that same thing and stopped worrying about church, home, and work. Let us ask God to give us the faith of Nehemiah. Now let's turn again. This time we're looking at verses 6 through 9. At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanabalt and Taban and the Arabs, Armenites, Ashdites, heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem was being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. The enemy had a meeting of the minds. They said, we're going to have to stop them at all costs. So they came up with a war plan to stop the progress from going forward and to stop this restoration business. Perhaps you're wondering what the people were thinking. Well, they were smart. They looked to God and to Nehemiah for strength and wisdom, and they trusted God to help them succeed. They did not give up on God, but kept on working. Question, if God's called you to a task, no matter how difficult or painful, you must not give up, but be determined to complete it. 
Now, Nehemiah constantly combined prayer with preparation and planning. And fortunately, the people trusted him and God at the same time. They also were keeping watch over what had been entrusted to them. The problem is that too often when we pray, we don't really ask God what he wants of us and what is his will. Ridicule can cut deep, but he didn't worry. He trusted God. Of now in verses 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain, and the workers were getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we'll swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards among the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. And I stationed the people to stand guards by family, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Then I looked over the situation, and he said, don't be afraid. I think probably one of the biggest weapons that Satan uses against any of us is discouragement. Do you all agree? Mm -hmm. Discouragement gets us thinking about ourselves how hard the situation is, how impossible it seems. And before we know it, it becomes overwhelming. We become so tired, so discouraged, we want to give up. What we have to remember <clears throat> is that the cure for fatigue and discouragement is to focus on God and his purpose. Nehemiah reminded the workers of their calling, their goal, and that God was protecting them. When we become overwhelmed by task, we're tired and we want to give up, let us remember that God is with us and that he will give us the strength to do his will. I had to remember that yesterday at 4 o'clock in the morning as I was preparing for this message. When you encounter discouragement or ready to give up, the time is not to change our plans, but maybe our approach. When we are overwhelmed, and at times every one of us are overwhelmed, we want to just give up. I'll give you an example. While serving at the Methodist Church here, I had serious challenges we face so many changes in our staff, our clergy, our job assignments. And there were times when I was ready to walk out. Merritt can testify to that. Well, psychologists tell us that each of us have within us a fight or flight mode when facing a crisis. 
Personally, I have the flight mode, and I want to run away when the problems get too overwhelming. And when I faced hardship at the church, my solution was to go back to Texas. I think Nehemiah realized that was also a problem for the Jews. He changed his strategies, though, and he began to readjust his plans to help them not give up. He didn't want to give up the dream of rebuilding the wall, but he did kind of change his focus. Many people want to live in the past, even here in the church. They want the worship service to be just like they were in the 50s and 60s. And that's true in every church I've ever served. They, we have got to be willing to know that God can do a new thing here at this church. There are new avenues for worship and ministry, but we must stay connected to God and ask God for his direction and wisdom for what is his will for our church. Then we continue our reading. In 15 through 18, we are told that Jews were discouraged and he was determined to defeat their enemies. But Nehemiah always was a step ahead. He placed guards on the way and equipped the workers with weapons. Satan will always try to discourage us. He's trying to discourage me now. But we got to support each other so y'all don't walk out on me. <laughs> Prayer and fellowship is important. And we need to remember we're not alone. For one thing, we have to be careful that we don't go lax in our own relationship with the Lord. We, when we back off in our prayers in church and attendance, it can become a stumbling block. And it'll bring doubts and fears and unbelief. That's why we need to take advantage of the messenger prayer chain that we have. Our weekly worship, Sunday school and fellowship time. We need to look out for each other. When you see somebody not here, pick up the phone and call them and say, we missed you. We need to encourage and build each other up and not cut ourselves off from fellowship. We're not called to be lone rangers. We need to unite in prayer and fellowship. We need each other. Nehemiah continued in chapter 4 to focus on the mission, on what God had called them to do to rebuild the wall. We too must keep our eyes on the, our own vision that we are to share the good news with our family, friends, and co-workers. We are called to tell others of Jesus' amazing salvation. If our faith was as strong as Nehemiah's, we would be more intentional in sharing the good news, the gospel message with friends, co-workers, and friends. What if we were more intentional about picking up the phone on each weekend and say, hey, can I pick you up and bring you to church on Sunday morning? What if we were more involved in manna, our food pantry, Bible study, Sunday school, supporting our children and youth in their programs, 
our Bible quiz events. We need to be praying more for those kids yesterday. And then in our own prayers. What if this church was packed? I just had that vision when I was writing this. I thought, what if we were so packed out in both worship services that Derek had to get up on Sunday morning and say, hey, we need some money because we've got to add staff to take care of everybody. Are you asking God to give us a vision for this church? If we had faith as strong as Nehemiah in both power and ability, we could be used by God. Miracles, transform lives, healing, deliverance. Do we believe in that? Then Nehemiah said these words in verse 20. Our God will fight for us. Again, we are not alone here, my friends. God is our strength, our shield, our defender and deliverer. We are not the ones that are in the, in the fighting. The Holy Spirit goes before us and beside us. When we lift up the difficult situations we face in prayer, God will give us solutions to the problem. Or he'll just go ahead and take care of it for us and not have it happen. God will fight for us. Now, in that final section of chapter, Nehemiah says, During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. They didn't stop. They didn't say, okay, it's quitting time at 5 o'clock and go home. They were obstinately alert and watching for God. They all needed to work, defend themselves, and guard themselves against their enemy. We, too, need each other. Back in the 70s through the 90s, anybody remember Paul Harvey? Hmm? show our age, he was on the radio and TV with a daily commentary. Perhaps you recall him saying these words, Hello, Americans, this is Paul Harvey. Stand by for the news. And before it was over, he always said, after the commercial, and now for the rest of the story. Before I close today, I, too, want to offer the rest of the story. We all want to know now, you're probably going, well, did they get the wall finished or not? Well, guess what? In chapter 6, verse 15, it says, and it's real interesting they would use our modern language. It says, on October the 2nd, the wall was finally finished. It took them 52 days, not years, but days, to complete the wall. And then in verse 16, I love this line. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized that this work had been done, not by the works of the Jews, but the help of our God.
They said it couldn't be done. Job was too big. Problem was too great. But God's men and women joined together for a special calling and task. With God by their side, they were able to solve a huge problem, accomplish a great goal, and God was glorified. I encourage you this afternoon, if you're not doing anything, don't watch that football game, but pick up your books and read that book. It's a short book, and you'll be inspired. Now, let us pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we come before your presence and humble ourselves before you. We lift up our problems, doubts, discouragement, and fears. Ground us a vision to see a bright new future. Help us follow you. Help us rebuild the walls broken in our own lives with our family, work, church, and relationships. Make us overcomers, Lord. We bring our weakness, fatigue, frustration, failures, fears, and doubts. Forgive us, we pray. Pour out now your Holy Spirit upon this place. Renew us and empower us with wisdom and courage, not for our own pleasure, but to serve you. Unite us now and hide us behind the cross. Cover us in your blood, fill us with your spirit, that we might do your will. We ask this all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Go now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.